the first year I played football, I played running back. I went out and scored like, you know, 50 touchdowns in a year. Our team went undefeated all the way to the championship game, and I just kind of knew then that football was a possible avenue for success for me. Going into my ninth grade year, I'm introduced um, to marijuana, I'm introduced to alcohol, I'm introduced to uh, sex. This is a 14-year-old kid uh, dealing with this stuff, and I didn't have a father figure around to teach me, you know, what all that meant. All I had was to look to were the guys in the streets, which was drug dealers, guys who had criminal records, and I was looking up to those guys. So I just figured I was supposed to do what they did. I wanted to show them that I wasn't scared, that I wasn't uh, afraid to be a bad boy or whatever. I just wanted to impress them. I tried to jack um, another kid for his wallet. I tried to steal his wallet in the hallway, and I ended up getting in trouble and getting um, expelled from school. I remember my mom calling me on the phone and just hearing her brokenness when she answered the phone, you know, just like, DeMario, what have you done? And when she said that, it was almost to the point of, you have messed up your life. And I remember uh, being out running the streets with some of my friends, and we were breaking in cars. I punched the window, and I cut my arm up, and I have this uh, serious gash in my arm, and I felt like this was the first time I heard an audible voice from God. And he said, that's strike number two. The first strike was you getting kicked out of school. The second strike is you almost killed yourself tonight. If it would have been a few inches down, I could have gashed my wrist and died that night. That scared me to the point of, from the rest of my junior and my senior year, I cleaned up my act. I get to college, but the fruit of my life still isn't changed. I get back and I'm all of a sudden I'm at this college and now I'm a small fish in a big pond. So I feel like I gotta prove myself all over again. So I go back to drinking, I go back to smoking, I go back to partying. I land myself in jail. We stealing groceries out of Walmart. And I just remember looking around and like, whatever I'm trying to do with my life, it isn't working. I had a chance to make it out and now my coach can take my scholarship and I'd be sent back home. And I, I messed up my opportunity before I even played a snap on the field. Fortunately, the coach did not kick me off the team. He gave me another chance. Cause a little while later, our team chaplain who I've been going to Bible studies with, he started to spend time with me in the Word. He was talking about, you know, these radical ideas that I had never even thought about. And then he started to show me in the Bible that matched exactly what he was saying. And I never had looked at the Bible in that life. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And he was talking about, this is talking about your heart. But my whole theory with God was, at the end of the day, God, you know I got a good heart. Well, this was showing me that I had a bad heart because nothing but bad fruit was coming from my life. But then he told me something that was reassuring and encouraging. He said, God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that night I went home and I was scared and I just prayed. It was the most sincere prayer I had ever prayed. I said, God, I need a new heart. That's all I said. The next day I was hoping that everything would change. I woke up and by the end of the day I was doing a lot of the same stuff I had been doing. And I was like, man, you said that God would give me a new heart if I asked. He said, if you ask for a new heart, God will honor it and God will give it to you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but he's gonna give it to you. The message started to resonate and I started to understand why Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to pay for those sins. And until we get a new heart, we can't fix what's coming out of us. And that God wants to come inside of us and clean us so that he can draw us back to himself. And, and it was like he was taking the scales off my eyes. At that moment, he removed the taste of alcohol from my mouth. He didn't remove marijuana and sex right then, but I said, God, you're the Lord of my life, and I'm gonna choose to serve you. When you wanna move these things, you will. And he did, a little bit later, um, 
he removed marijuana and then uh, I was in an imperial relationship for five years. God broke it. He was like, it's time to get out of this. And I got out of that relationship. For two years, I walked in purity. I dated my wife and then we were married a year and a half later. And that was the first time I'd ever did a relationship the right way. And to say that I've done that now and then look at the, the benefits of uh, a blessed relationship and our marriage of after four years and our, our beautiful children, just to see that the fruit that's come from it, you just understand God is a God of order. And when we do things in his order, he can bless them more. I let go and I said, God, I'm trusting you. I don't know where you're gonna take me. And he's brought me closer and closer to him. Amen. Beautiful. DeMario plays for the saints these days, and uh, what a wonderful testimony of how God, over a period of time, uh, revealed to him the power of redemption. And out of that uh, testimony, I noticed several things. He's a strike one. God was trying to get his attention, and I'm grateful that he ascertained, apparently from a godly mother, uh, you, you made a huge mistake and you've disappointed mom, and you've disappointed the Lord. Strike two, stealing and, and uh, getting uh, expelled from school, and coming to the place that, that people often come to, to where there is no wiggle room. In other words, God kind of narrows you down and sifts you down and says, now, are you going to live for me or not? And that was always the rub anyway with, and has been with humanity. Whether you're the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, uh, marching toward the promised land and being overtaken by, by numerous other nations and placed in bondage because they, they couldn't seem to, to, get, to get it right and stick with it. And then coming through and the New Testament church was born in Acts and and before you know it, just thousands are being added to the church. But before long, individuals uh, turn to rebellion or turn to worship other gods and, and seem to lose that touch. But there was a remnant that stayed true to God. How many want to be a part of that remnant? Say amen. That we're true to God. And whether life is good or bad or indifferent, we're staying true to Almighty God. And so I want to take just a few moments tonight and just uh, share a message, hopefully, that will, that will inspire you and uh, try to make some parallel as we uh, deal, as many are watching online right now and we talk about Super Bowl. I I'm assuming that you're among the number that don't give a rip who wins the Super Bowl. And uh, there are some who are Chiefs fans and then there are some that are fans of the other team, which I will not mention. Jack, Jack received a free ticket to the Super Bowl from his company. Unfortunately, when he arrived at the stadium, he realized that his seat was way, way, way in the nosebleed section. As a matter of fact, Jack commented, I'm closer to the Goodyear blimp than I am the field. That's a long way off. He said about halfway through the first quarter, he looked down way over there, and about 10 rows up on the 50-yard line was an empty seat. He decided, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to try to get past security, meander in and through the seats and get there, and finally he did. He sat down in that empty seat. 
He said to the man sitting there in the other seat right beside it, he said, excuse me, is anyone sitting here? He said, no, you, uh, you help yourself to that seat. Well, I want you to know Jack was so excited to have that seat. He said to the man, this is absolute, look here, 50-yard line, 10 rows up. This is incredible. Who in their right mind would have a seat like this at this Super Bowl and not use it? Well, the man replied, well, actually, sir, the seat belongs, belongs to me. I was supposed to come with my wife, but she passed away. And this is the first Super Bowl that we haven't been together since we got married in 1979. Jack's face changed, and he said, that's really sad. He said, couldn't you find someone to take the seat, a relative or a, or a close friend? And the man replied, no, they're all at her funeral. I wouldn't think that any of you are enthused as uh, this man was, of course. Unfortunately, that's reality for some people. I want to take and launch from a portion of Scripture in Mark's Gospel, the 8th chapter, verse 34. said, Then he, being Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, here's, here's the Scripture, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The Scripture that we use, it's a familiar portion of Scripture. We've read it, preached it many, many times, and I've chosen just to use it for this moment together. It's said that Jesus called a crowd together. Now, if you can imagine to me, Jesus had been performing numerous miracles, and, and his name and his activity and his ministry had uh, become very common in that area. And so when Jesus called a crowd together, you can believe that it was, I'll say, Super Bowl proportion. It was a significant crowd. People didn't pray about whether they wanted to go. When Jesus called them and said, hey, I'm getting ready to perform ministry again, they showed up. They showed up with expectancy. They showed up believing that something phenomenal would happen because every other time, when you're in the presence of Jesus and he begins to teach and he begins to perform miracles, exciting things take place and they did not want to miss it. He says that if anyone is going to get on the field to play, that's what I'm going to call it, and follow him, get on the field and, and let's play, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to deny yourself and you're going to take up the disciplines and the cross and follow him. So he called them together and said, okay, I've got this game. It's called the game of life. Get on the field, but in order to play and to be able to suit up, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up a cross, and you're going to have to go through the process 
of getting out there and doing your best to let my name be exalted above every other name. And then he said, listen, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. In other words, he said, if you get out there and just pitter-patter around in the game of life, if you can't make up your mind whether or not you want to be here, if you can't make up your mind whether or not you want Jesus to be the Lord, here's what's going to happen. Something will come along. Someone will hit you, knock your breath out on the field, and, and you'll lose your life. But he says, whoever loses his life for me, in other words, whoever gets out there and says, I'm in it to win it. Let's say it again. I'm in it to win it. Today I got up, I'm in it to win it. This afternoon I said, I'm in it to win it. Tonight I say, I'm in it to win it. And so we have that kind of attitude. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, he says, we'll save it. You'll be glad that you stuck with it. He said, if you're going to play in the game, as all of us either are playing the game, and there are always two types of game. One game we're playing for ourselves. You heard DeMario say, hey, I, uh, I, I called him Jesus, and he said, then I went on into college, and he said, I was a small fish in a big pond there, and I just fell in with all the other people. I did what they did. I thought I got to prove myself again. I got to do it all over again. And he decided, hey, I need, I need to play the game for me. And that was the process with the children of Israel after being delivered out of Egypt. That was the process and the thought and perspective of those who were born in the early church. Many of them stuck with it. Even some of the disciples decided to give it up. You know who they are. And you know, the church of Philippi, they became cold and indifferent. The church of Thessalonica, you know the same thing about them. In other words, they got on the field and they wanted to play and they wanted to win, but then they decided, wow, it's a whole lot easier to play for an earthly trophy than it is to play for an eternal trophy, one that will last forever. Mark 8 says, what good is it? For a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul. What, what does it mean if a man says, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to stay with it and play the game that I want to play, and I'm going to call the shots? There are some facts and stats about what's considered to be the biggest single sporting event in the world, 115 million viewers. Advertising in U.S. dollars is over 408 million. That's a big, big deal. 32nd spot cost in excess of 5.25 million. Do you know what that means? One 32nd television spot would take your entire retirement, 5.25 million. I mean, just poof. And your whole retirement nut is gone. That's not good. And when it's done, it's done. Amazing. Says the average Super Bowl party, and there are many throughout our city, is costing $118. $118. Doesn't take long to spend $118. The cheapest ticket. To this Super Bowl, 3,000. That's the chief. That's where Jack was, up the new news, nosebleed section closest to the Goodyear blend. 
Well, I read this. I just thought I'd share it with you. Alcoholic beverage. I mean, it is served big time. But a 16 ounce of alcoholic beverage is, is $13. Can you believe that? 13 for an alcoholic beverage. I, I, I couldn't understand that. Pretzels, eight bucks. Why would you want to pay eight bucks for something that's not straight? That blows me away. Peanuts, peanuts, seven bucks. You can go to Roadhouse Grill and get them for free. You can go to Five Guys and get them for free right there. But peanuts, that expensive. Popcorn, $15. Here it is, lobster mac and cheese, 20 bucks for a little cup. Jumbo hot dog, $11. Unbelievable. A slice of pizza, thin slice, 10 bucks. There goes your retirement. Your whole retirement, corn dog, popcorn. But you know what? That's not a whole lot different than going right over here and going to the movie. You all with me out there? Y'all know how much popcorn and two drinks cost. There you go. Of the, of the 8 million pounds of guacamole. How many of you like guacamole? How many of you don't like guacamole? How many don't care? It's good. 8 million pounds, 14,500 tons of chips. More cellulite grows on Super Bowl night than any other night of the year. That's right. Of the 10 most watched television programs of all time, 10 most watched, nine of them are Super Bowls. 700,000 footballs are produced annually for the official NFL. 700,000. They'll use 72 of them tonight. 72 of them. Well, personally, Sharon and I will watch the Super Bowl in my chair <laughs> in front of my television and will change the channel at will and turn it off at will. Cost zero. <laughs> Best seat in the house. There you have it. Vince Lombardi, the Vince Lombardi trophy is what's given at a Super Bowl. He's the former coach of the Green Bay Packers and a winning coach of the Super Bowl on numerous occasions. Stated in a speech, this is what he said. What it takes to be number one. Remember our text? He said, winning is not sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, he says, so is losing. And every time a football player goes to play his trade, he has to play from the ground up, from the soles of his feet right up to his head. Every inch of him has to play. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. 
Every part of you, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your desire is going to have to be given with 100% perspective. You're going to have to get out there and say, I'm either a follower and I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to stay with it and I'm not turning back. Then he said, Lombardi said, I want to give you five traits of what it means to get out there and win and get the job done. Number one, you're going to have to have a desire. Desire. You have to have a desire. God, I desire to follow you 100%. I desire to do everything that I can to please you. Second thing, he said, you have to have discipline. He said, you have to have discipline. He said, no, I'm going to have to turn down that cup of ice cream because it's not going to work for me in the disciplines of my winning the football game. In other words, I'm, not, I'm going to have to have the discipline to be able to say no to some of the things that the world would offer. Demario said, I didn't have that discipline. I got out there and I had sex, I had drugs, I had drink and the time. I thought I had a good heart, but I revealed in the Scripture that I didn't have a good heart. I was just playing games. The other thing, he said, you got to have determination. You know, waking up and saying, I'm going to stay on the field to play, taking up my cross and follow after the Lord. And, well, I feel like doing that today. And some days I don't want to do it. You're going to be the most miserable person in the world. You have to have that desire to stick with it, that discipline that says, I am going to make it. And that determination that says, I'm not turning back. Doesn't matter who hits me, smacks me, I, I am not going to turn back. I am determined. Here's another, he said, self-denial. You've got to deny yourself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Not my will, but thy will be done. Doesn't that make sense in our walk with Jesus Christ? It's the same as Vince Lombardi says, a good football player, a winning team, has to have all those things. Well, what's more important, winning an earthly trophy or receiving an eternal reward every single day? God, you're first, you're number one. And then finally, he said... A distinction in character, a distinction in character that says, I want to be credible. I want people to know that they can count on me. I want God to know I'm not playing any games. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to practice desire and discipline and determination and self-denial because that's a part of, that's a part of who, that's a part of who I am. To me, it sounds like winning a Super Bowl has the same game plan as I just mentioned for living for Jesus. And some of you say, I don't give a rip about Super Bowl. I understand that. But we all want to please God. We all want to make it. We all want to win. We all want to hear him say, well done. And he said, it doesn't just happen. God's not going to drip just sugar on you and say, okay, you're good. He says, you're going to have to have desire, discipline, determination, and self-denial if you're going to make it. Otherwise, here's what will happen. You'll grow cold. You'll become lukewarm. You'll get like uh, Demas was. Hey, the things of the world are more important to me. It fits my life now. Someday I'll get right with God. Someday I'll press in. Tonight, the Super Bowl is going to be played down in Miami, and it's on Fox, that Fox News channel. You know the teams, no doubt. If you don't, here they are. It's the 49ers, 49ers and the Chiefs. 
and they're going to go at it for four 15-minute quarters. They're going to put everything they have on the table. They have the adrenaline flowing right now. They can't wait to get on the field and destroy the other team. They have sneak plays. They have all kinds of new plays, and they're going to do their best to win it. Said, hey, this is the last game of the NFL season, and we happen to be the last two teams. We're not holding anything back. They will expend all their energy. Gator aid will be flowing like a massive river to keep all those things of energy going into them. And they'll play in front of a crowd of millions and millions and millions of people. And there'll be tens of thousands in the stands looking at them, those players on the field. And at the end of the night, the score will tell the story. Your story is still being written. You will be on the field of play until either you die of a natural death here or an accidental death or the rapture takes place. In other words, here's what he said. You don't get to choose and say, I'm going to run in and I want to play. And then I get tired and I run out and I don't want to play anymore. He says, no. If you're going to play on the team that represents God, you're going to have to make up your mind that when you step on the field, you intend to stay there. You intend to discipline yourself not to let others speak into your life and cause you to begin to doubt who it is you believe that you are. You're going to be committed to his church. You're going to be committed to his Savior. You're going to be committed to his name. And you're not going to be on and off and in and out at the end of the game, the score will tell the story. Oh, and by the way, there'll be no tie in the Super Bowl. They will play until there's a winner or there's a loser. And that is the game of life. We will play in eternity here on earth, going to eternity. We'll either win and hear him say, I'm pleased with you. I will hear him say, you lost. And the reason you lost is you didn't have the desire. You didn't have the discipline. You didn't have the will. You didn't have the gumption to ride in there and stick with it. You see, you got to win. You're going to take that desire, discipline, determination, and self-denial and that distinction of credible character. He says, if you... If you fail, if you fail to do that, you'll play a game and you'll get a trophy. When you're in a casket and at your memorial service, everybody will get up. I've yet to go to a coronation service or a funeral where someone got up and said, I want you to know he was a dirty, low-down, good-for-nothing guy. I want you to know that he didn't care about anybody else but himself. I've never heard that. I want you to know if ever was a crook, he was the crook. Anybody ever loved to drink, he drank all the time. Anybody beat his wife, that's just how he was. I'm not going to lie to you. Everybody knows him. We know that he would cheat, cheated on his taxes. 
ran around and everything else. I've never heard anybody get up and say that about anybody. What I have heard, you weren't the best person in the world, but he'd give you the shirt off his back. He'd help you do whatever it is you needed done. He was just that kind of guy. But being good is not good enough when it comes to the game of life. Well, I want you to know, 49ers, you got out there and you stayed with it. You tore it up. You pressed in and, oh, my gracious alive. And you did everything that you could. You guys, you sweat, you perspire, you bleed, you're torn, you're bruised, etc. But the real issue is they got a last-minute field goal. You lost. People will say, well, buddy, they gave it the greatest effort. But giving it the greatest effort won't make you a winner. The score decides who wins. And Jesus is the scorekeeper. And he gives us a path and tells us, this is how you win. You get on the field to play. You deny yourself. You take up your cross. And you determine to follow me. And if you ever get weary, you ever get weary and you want to put that cross down, he says, you're going to start playing for an earthly trophy because that brings displeasure to me. And that's what he says in that particular scripture as we read. He said, you can receive earthly trophies like earthly acclaim and satisfaction of finance and all of that, a great name. And, but he said, the reality is you're not in a game that's just temporary. You're in a game of eternal consequence. So what good is it for you to get out there and play and forfeit your soul? What good is it? Mario said, hey, not until that time came that the Holy Spirit cleaned me up. And I began to honor him. And I got in a right relationship. And I dated my wife. And we married. And now we have children. And that's the best life in the world to live. In other words, what would the Super Bowl be like to go into a Super Bowl and playing as millions watch and there is no winner? <laughs> That'd be bad. There's no winner. Nobody to tune in. No reward. And the only thing that you've done is to spend energy and effort while others, they did. They're going to do that tonight. And we just sit in our luxury. I intend to have my fan on and my air conditioning. I intend to be about 35 feet away from my refrigerator. Hello? How many know what I'm talking about? My microwave is right there. Hello? My freezer's full. I've got light bread in the house and I've got bologna. So I want to tell you something. I intend to have a good time. And when I get fed up with it, 
Hallmark, darling, Hallmark. <laughs> Would you stand with me? Jesus knew that many people get this now would be ashamed. Some people are ashamed to pray in a restaurant. Your Donna Barrett said this morning, Nate was there as one of the young people out of our church, been there since he was a baby. Valentine's and Nate, personality and handsome young man. The meal, he brought the meal and I said, hey, Nate. And I had somebody, you know, crowd in my back, somebody across. I said, Nate, why, why, don't, why don't you pray over our meal? And we joined hands right there. And old Nate said, Lord, he wasn't ashamed at all. Just ripped up a prayer and said, God bless his food. You know what? I don't want to be ashamed of my commitment to God. I don't want to be ashamed of my commitment to my church. I don't want to be ashamed for paying my tithe or loving on people. Jesus knew that there'd be those who'd be ashamed. He said, but listen to me. He said, if you're ashamed of me, you're ashamed to really live the kind of life to say no when others are saying yes. If you're ashamed of me rather than really sacrificing and staying on the field, somebody you know might make fun of you or chastise you and you want to run and hide. No. Here's what I know. The 49ers and and the chiefs and people are going to have their jerseys on. They're going to trash talk. They're for their team. Not a shame. Some have their jerseys on. Right there. Not a shame. This is what Jesus said. Put on the jersey of the personhood of Jesus Christ. Saved filled with mercy and don't be ashamed to wear it for if you're ashamed of me I'll be ashamed of you before my father which is in heaven and the bottom line the bottom line is one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord so it's easy for me to raise my hands in praise and say, touchdown, I made it. My friend Jim Palmer killed in a horrific automobile crash yesterday morning. Never even had a chance. Rammed from behind at high speed, thrown into the other lanes and broadsided and his life ended right there. It was no surprise to Jesus. But Jim lived for that moment. And the Lord said, come on in. Father, I thank you for this congregation, for these people. I pray this message will resonate in our spirit. I pray that, that you would um, give us, uh, just give us a great evening. Holy Spirit, speak to us and give us peace that passes all understanding. And those that might be listening online, Got to pray if anyone here is really struggling about whether to stay on the field of eternal play. I pray you'll prick their heart. I pray you'll give them a greater desire to say, I'm not giving up. I'm not running away. I want to stay out here. I'm more determined than ever to please my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to be more disciplined in the future so that he knows that I'm not ashamed to read my Bible and to pray and to be involved in ministry at my church. I want him to know that I give him my word, a person of character, because I have a great desire to hear him say, well done. Grant and forgive us of our sins and meet every need that we have. And we'll give you praise and honor in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Love you, everybody. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Amen. Oh